Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here as always by the one and only Christopher Wesley. How are you, man? How's it going? I'm doing well, John. I'm doing well. You know, it's uh, it's it's the middle of the summer. Uh, the heat is good. Um, just, you know, relaxing and 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 trying to get, trying to get some color, you know, uh, on this uh, white Polish skin that I got here. Going is is that I, possible? Is that possible? You know, um, I, you know, I'm part Polish, part uh, German, and part Italian. And uh, once in a while, you see the Italianness come out, and it's nice being married to someone who's Irish and Polish, uh, because I always have a, a nicer uh, color to my skin than than she does. Uh, she burns a lot easier than I do, but uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah. Uh, staying warm and enjoying the enjoying the summer weather. Good, good. Well, I am particularly excited about uh, what we're going to talk about now. We we spent some time talking about this topic prior to getting on together, um, but the title that you came up with, Chris, for this, I thought it was really good. Is will restored ordered fix the confirmation problem? Now, did you just say that uh, I came up with this to, you know, direct any kind of criticism towards me? Is that no? I, I, <laughs> no, I was giving you. I just I loved the the title. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I, Chris needs to get the credit for that. No, so. I appreciate that. I'm giving John a hard time, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, will restored order fix a confirmation program uh, problem? And you know, because uh, we one of the things that you and I were chatting about is it seems like the two biggest trends happening in dioceses is you, if you look at a diocese, one big topic is uh, the whole pastoral planning, right? Restructuring of, of, of churches and, um, you know, partnerships, twinnings, uh, closing churches down. The other one, which has probably been going on for a little bit longer, has been the conversation of going back to the restored order. Um, because the way that most dioceses or, or parishes have confirmation in, the, in this country, in the United States, um, it feels like it's been around forever, uh, for forever, but it actually hasn't, right? Um, the order of uh, infantile baptism, then first communion at like seven years old, and then confirmation a little bit later in your middle school or high school years. That's uh, that's that's pretty much uh, still a fairly new thing, but it does feel like that's the way it's been forever. So people are like, you know what, that hasn't been working. Uh, we're seeing, you know, numbers of kids uh, leaving the faith, uh, families not engaged. Uh, where if you go back to when the restored order was happening, the church was thriving, it was booming. So maybe if we go back to the restored order, it will fix, you know, the, the, the problem of people leaving the church. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it begs the question, will restored order fix the confirmation problem? So you alluded to it. Restored order is basically putting the sacraments back, the sacraments of initiation back in their uh, original order in terms of how the how the church grew, which was baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist in that particular order. And of course, in many dioceses and in many parishes across this country in the United States, uh, it's typically what happens: we do infant baptism, right? Uh, and then typically around second grade, age seven, the age of reason, we do. Uh, uh, first Eucharist and, and first reconciliation is a part of that. In some places, it's a one-year program. Some places, it's a two-year program. Uh, and then somewhere in the teenage years, it can be anywhere from middle school to high school, uh, we're doing confirmation, uh, the sacrament of confirmation. And, and, and again, same thing. In some places, it's a one-year program. In some places, it's a two-year program. So often when I go in doing coaching and consulting, it's one of the first questions I ask 
in terms of when, when do you do confirmation and then how long is it, right? Just so I'm helpful, I understand what's happening there. So what's the confirmation problem, Chris? So we just defined restored order. What do we mean by the confirmation problem? Yeah, you know, it, um, actually, before I answer that, a really good, uh, um, you, you brought up a really good question, right? Of when you're meeting with a, uh, um, a client and even myself, when I'm, I'm coaching a client, one of the first questions I have about their youth ministry program is, do you oversee confirmation? Where is confirmation done? And the reason I asked that question, and I'd be curious to your reason for that, is because I know if they have confirmation on their plate, it actually can be a big distraction from doing youth ministry well. And, um, and, and this kind of leads into the confirmation problem, right? Is we put all of our focus towards young people, towards uh, middle school and high school students um, through the lens of confirmation preparation when that's really just one part of, of ministry, right? The sacraments are important. Uh, they're irreplaceable. They are essential for helping us get closer to God. But if all you do is look at ministry towards young people through the lens of confirmation preparation, you are, um, you are uh, then missing the bigger boat. And, 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 and what we're seeing, and this is part of the problem, is you're seeing uh, kids and families engaged up until the sacrament of confirmation is received. And then you're seeing a huge drop off. And I would even argue and say that you're even seeing that drop off before confirmation. You're seeing it after first Eucharist, right? Where, you know, after seven or eight years old, families, there's this gap and families just drop away and they're not even engaging in the confirmation preparation. And so the problem is that our confirmation programs, and this is not necessarily what I believe, but this is what people are saying, is the confirmation programs or curriculum or content are not engaging enough to keep people around. Yeah, and, and that, that, is, that is the problem as defined. And so, and part of it is not really a question about restored order. And, and I wanna be very clear about that, you know, because some people say, Let, let's restore the order, let's do confirmation, you know, at, at, at seven years old and do first communion at eight or something along those lines, right? And it could vary with how parishes want to do that, thinking that that's going to work. But one of the, the big hesitancies, I, I know one diocese in particular is having this conversation right now in terms of what they want to do with this. One particular part of this is like, but what are, what are we going to have for young people when they reach adolescence and when they're in high school, you know, it's like, if we don't have the sacrament, we have nothing for them. And that's exactly to your point, Chris. Well, confirmation is supposed to be just one part of what good comprehensive youth ministry looks like. Uh, and, and I think that's the problem. It's the whole carrot thing, right? You know, it's the whole thing of like, we got to have the carrot for the, for the young people and that carrot is confirmation. Uh, and that's a really actually, not only is that theologically bad, you know, but that's just a poor attitude to have towards this. And so the question, you know, is will restored order fix the confirmation problem? I think is a really good one because the problem isn't really the sacrament, right? At least that's, that's my interpretation of it. The problem is our attitude towards the sacrament and how we treat it. Now, I understand to your point, Chris, and you're probably in the midst of this as we speak, being at a parish, is there are a lot of big parishes that, I, that I've worked with here on the West Coast. And, and they have confirmation programs that are huge, um, 60, 70, 100 kids in each year, 
right? And so then you add a two-year program. You have one full-time staff dealing with a, a two-year confirmation program with anywhere from 60 to 100 kids in it each year. So you got 200 kids in the confirmation program. Yeah, I get it. I get why a youth ministry leader or a faith formation leader has no time to do anything else, you know, right. because it does uh, take a lot of time and energy to do the sacrament well. And, and I get that. But what are we losing, right? What is that loss when we're spending all that energy on confirmation and not doing good comprehensive youth ministry? To your point, Chris, confirmation is not the only thing that young people need. There's more that we should be doing and our documents, including renewing the vision, including, uh, including the national directory of catechesis, they're all, they all suggest that we need to be doing more than obviously than just the sacraments. And so that is an issue. And I, I get the question now, will, will restored order fix that problem? Well, it depends on how you go after the question. And so, how you think about it. so restored order can fix the problem. Um, it can, uh, but so can the current um, order of things today, right? The order can fix it, um, but it's the methodology around it. And let me let me explain that and break that open a little bit more. So, basically, um, and 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 you've you've said some of these points as well. Where uh, I think there is a level of laziness and complacency when it comes to the sacraments. Now, um, John we believe that God's grace can create instant life change, right? I mean, you know, God bestows his grace on us and everything around us changes. <clears throat> what the argument I hear about restored order or just about sacramental prep is if we can get kids uh, and teenagers and their families to experience the sacraments at its purest form, that's going to create the life change that the church needs, right? And there's, there's truth to that. But then I feel like that's almost us saying like, you know what, we just need to not do anything but the sacraments and therefore life change is going to happen. But really like that's, that's being lazy. That's saying, that's giving all the responsibility over to God, over to the Holy Spirit. That's giving all the responsibility over to the sacraments to fix all of our problems. But God does not say to us like, hey, you take a seat, sit back. And I'll take care of all the rest. No, God calls us to work. God calls us to be uh, workers in the vineyard. He calls us to be uh, ministers in the trenches where we are addressing the obstacles, the uh, pushbacks, the doubts, all the things that stand in the way from someone truly embracing uh, the sacrament and, and what it, it stands for and what it means and what it, it actually does. And so when we create programs for confirmation, for First Eucharist, for the restored order, and say, this should fix all the problems, we're ignoring the, the rest of the work that actually God is calling us to do, which is to love, love the people going through it, which is to um, you know, love God and show them how to love God through that program. And so what I think is when you have these programs, and I'm gonna be bold and just say it, when you have these programs of 200 kids, or 300, uh, you know, kids going through it. It's in my mind, that's lazy. That's lazy confirmation. That's lazy youth ministry. That's lazy church ministry. And uh, you know what? Uh, some people can say, Chris, you're just jealous of the numbers or something like that. As someone who's grown a program from, you know, like 10 kids to, you know, uh, close to a hundred confirmation candidates without a school attached and everything. I feel like as the program got, 
bigger, it got harder to manage. Um, and it was easier to just rely on clocking hours and making attendance sheets and things like that. So I really believe that the larger programs um, are more, most of them, not all of them, not all of them, but most of them um, are just built on laziness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. But part of that is is efficiency and, and habits, right? You know, it's like we have to create some efficiencies and systems that are going to help us manage such a workload, right? And right. and I get how that totally happens. Uh, the reality is I, I've got, I, I'm still only one person. I had to figure out how to manage this. So, so let's figure out how do we take attendance? How do we know people are going to mass? How do we, we require them to go on retreat. We require them to do service hours, right? And, and basically, if they don't fulfill all those requirements, then maybe we deny the sacrament. You know, that's a whole other topic uh, for another day, you know, uh, or, or we have to have some, some conversations and talking to you about that. But, but, but then the question for us, and this is where we need to get actionable, Chris, is, is what do we do then? Okay, so if, if restored order may or may not fix the confirmation problem, the issue really is, uh, in some essence, is really our attitude towards confirmation, how we treat it. What, what needs to change then? How do we look at this differently to, to, to see what we could do with confirmation and really analyze whether restored order is the right way to go or not? So I think what we have to do, and again, I'm going to use something, maybe, maybe this is just to get shock value or whatnot, but I think we have to look at our Protestant brothers and sisters. Um, in the set, or especially the evangelicals and non-denominationals, right? If we took the sacraments out, how would the rest of our church health look, right? So sacraments are important. I think we have, you know, as, as a Catholic, I believe in the sacraments. I love the sacraments. They're, I, I want sacramental living. But if you didn't have a sacramental program, what does ministry look like in the rest of your parish, and I, I think that's a scary question to ask, right? What does our youth ministry or, or not just youth ministry, but children's ministry look like if we took out sacramental prep? Um, I, I think we see the, we're starting to see that uh, question being answered in a lot of dioceses where there is the restored order, right? Because, um, you know, I, I worked with a parish in, in, the, uh, uh, in the Archdiocese of Denver where uh, they uh, were hiring a youth minister and, and for me, it was a great learning experience because I was like, all right, what do you want this youth minister to do? And, and what uh, they, uh, they talked about was hiring someone that would create community amongst the youth, that would create engagement, um, you know, in, in parish life. Um, they talked about uh, having someone who would work with the teens to evangelize to their peers, <clears throat> which, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is an essential part of sacramental living, right? You know, and, and of course, attend and attend mass and, and participate in reconciliation and other sacraments. So it's, it's fun. We, we get so hung up on sacraments that we forget that there are other ways of, um, of awakening and, um, and rejuvenating people's desires for them you know, outside of just preparation for that actual sacrament. Yeah, and basically what, what you're saying is, is the, there's an argument to be made to basically that, that confirmation and even Eucharist shouldn't be taken out of the rest of the ministry of the parish, right? Because that's basically right. what we're saying is that right. what happens is 
we spend all of our energy on confirmation or Eucharist, right? Uh, because they're so big, we put all of our energy into it. But what we haven't done is woven the sacrament into the life of the parish, right? It's right. this thing that's out here on one side and the rest of parish life is over on the other side of things. And, and, and we, that's one of the big changes we need to have is, is we need to bring that all together. And, and again, just riffing on the whole youth ministry thing, that's what comprehensive youth ministry has called us to for over 20 years now right. in terms of like confirmation, especially done with adolescents, really needs to be woven into what good comprehensive youth ministry looks like. And so, you know, the, the question around do we have a – is confirmation separate from youth ministry? <clears throat> Well, that's a real question that people have, and that's a real structure that people have. But the reality is, no, they should not be separate at all. You know, there has to be intentional ways of weaving those in together because confirmation is one aspect, a very important one, of youth ministry with adolescents, you know. But to ignore all the other things that we need to do to prepare young people to live a life of Christ uh, with Christ and, 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 and not, and, and spend all that energy on confirmation. That's where the problem is, right? That, that, that is the issue. And so the, the, the concern for me, I guess, number one really is we've got to, we got to change the attitude. We got to stop thinking about confirmation as a carrot on the stick. Let's get them through it. You know, we, that's the only way we're going to hook them when they're still in adolescence. Um, because then we're just setting ourselves up for failure, Chris, to do that because we're, we are, are laying the stage for the, the graduation treatment of confirmation right. where they get their diploma and then they're off and you never see them again, right? We, we just lay the stage, uh, lay, lay the stage for that. Yeah, well, and, and I want to also, um, two things from that. One, this also applies to First Eucharist, right? Our children's ministry formation program shouldn't be centered around just First Eucharist and, and reconciliation, um, <clears throat> which sounds weird because the Eucharist is our source and summit, but like, you know, it's the same sort of thing. If all you're doing is mandating that people come to your faith formation program so that they can then later prepare for the sacraments, then you're like you're not focused like you're focused on getting through the motions instead of focused on creating a desire right and that's really that's the ideal situation right is that people enter into preparation for all the sacraments not just uh the um sacraments of initiation but everyone enters into all those sacraments with a desire to be closer to god to be uh, closer to christ and um and so uh that's where we have to look at you know our, our our formation for kids teens and adults and say okay how are we enticing that desire how are we focusing on there the other thing that you mentioned and you know it's funny i was about to jump on you because you're using these key phrases that um i i like kind of set me off which is you know confirmation is a part of youth ministry i'm glad you said that confirmation is just a small part of youth ministry that youth ministry is larger right it's like saying that um, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Or in the sense that uh, confirmation is not your youth ministry program, it's a part of your youth mm -hmm. ministry program. And that um, you should be able to see what youth ministry looks like without preparation for the sacrament, um, as well as what it looks like with preparation for the sacrament. And once you start confusing those things, once you start, um, you know, they, they belong together, but there needs to be a distinction. If you lose sight of that distinction, 
then um, then it becomes uh, a, a problem. Then it becomes an issue. So so let's be real with some of the 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 concerns that people have in parishes. Part of the challenge that that people who are running sacraments have is that they are following the guidelines that their pastor or their diocese come up with, right? And, and I mentioned a lot of dioceses have two-year programs. I have my own bias around whether two-year program is good or bad. That's not really important at this point right now, you know, but what happens is that the, the, the sacramental preparation process that's, that is outlined for us usually by the diocese is pretty detailed and stringent. You know, and we're required, what we feel like as youth, as youth ministers, as confirmation directors, as faith formation leaders, is that we have to follow the guidelines that, um, that have been set forth for us. And so really we're following the script, right, right. Chris? Instead of, instead of really getting creative uh, with it and weaving it into the whole of youth ministry, we're following this script. And sometimes you, we feel like that, that script, those, those, those out, that outline of what the sacrament needs to look like, I, there's no wiggle room, right? I feel like there's no wiggle room. There's no flexibility to do that. So how do we deal with that, what, right? You know, the diocese is saying, I have to do it this way. How, how do we get creative with that if that's, that's the issue? So it, I was thinking about this earlier today where, um, you know, I'm, uh, if you see John and I physically, uh, John is, is always looking to eat more so he can gain more weight. I'm always looking to eat less so I can lose weight. Right. So anyway, the reason I bring that up is I just embarked on this program called whole 30, right? It's all about whole foods and it's a very strict program, uh, of what I can and what I can't eat. Um, and they, but they say over 30 days, these are the results that they see. And if you follow through this intensive program to a T, they guarantee certain results, right? Um, I think sometimes the problem with our confirmation preparation programs is we say two years, but we don't say what we really do within those two years. It's so it's too ambiguous, right? So it's like over two years meet 30 times. Is that really enough? Why do we have that number? Is that based off any statistic? Like, uh, are we like uh, saying that an hour long conversation once a week for two years is going to lead someone to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? Like I would have less of a problem with the two-year model if there was more of a, a, a comprehensive plan exactly on what to do or what to do with families or instructions even to those families of what you should do to experience some kind of spiritual result. Now, I, I know with, there's a lot more science behind you know, physical health progress than there is in, in regards to spiritual health progress. I don't think it can be as regimented. But that, that's kind of my issue is we say to people two years, why two years? Uh, and, and why those two years? Are we, are, we really, are, are we saying ninth grade is better than eighth grade because of some developmental reason or because high school is just easier than middle school? Or you know, are we saying 32 weeks over a six week program because we just know people won't commit to 32 weeks? Um, or uh, that, um, you know, we just want our numbers to look good for 32 weeks versus six weeks. Like, what is the science? What is the research behind those plans? And I don't know about you, John, but I've yet to see those things. I mean, outside of my own personal journey, and some of the stuff I talked about in rebuilding confirmation, and some of the stuff I'm looking at now, I can like I have a hard time with people saying like yeah nine hours of service or you know uh, forty two hours of catechesis 
is the right way to go. And the big question is, well, why? Mm -hmm. Well, in contrast to say the RCIA, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, my understanding is the RCIA is not nearly as quote unquote regimented, but the RCIA doesn't really talk about two years or a timeline of things, right? And maybe it's because we know that with the RCIA, for the most part, you're dealing with adults uh, who, who are maybe self-learners or, or whatnot. But we don't regiment the RCIA in the same way. But the RCIA, there's a clear process, right? We've talked about it before, right? You got the period of inquiry, pre-evangelization inquiry, and then you got the catechumen, right? And then, and, and, and then the, the sacrament. Right. But part of the RCIA is that it's not well, one year program or two year program or a three year program or four year program, but the RCIA is saying it's a process, right? Mm-hmm. And that there are phases that people go through. And so instead of regimenting to a timeline, they say, let people go through the, the progress. And then when they enter the catechumenate during Lent, which is only six weeks long, right? You know, right. Um, you know, in preparation to receive the sacraments, but they've received the, the quote-unquote pre-evangelization beforehand, and they've been prepared in other ways, not as concretely as that immediate prep, right? That's a right. pretty intense time for someone going through the RCIA during the, the time of Lent. Um, but again, it's not, it's not scripted in the same way. It's not about how much time, but it's about these phases that people go through. And one person may be in the period of inquiry for five years. Right. And another person may be in it for six months. But with the idea that every individual spiritual journey is exactly that, an individual spiritual journey. It's not a group journey. Now, now yes, there are pieces that we do together as a group, and we believe in that uh, in terms of uh, the community, right? The universal church and that we do this together as a church. It's not just about me and God, but it's about we. It's all of us, you know? Um, but it's individual in that sense. So, so you look at the RCAA versus say how we do the sacrament of confirmation, they're actually run almost, well, they're distinctly different. I was going to say almost opposite. That's extreme. They're not quite opposite, but pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and you look at, um, you know, look at, look at some of the other sacraments, right? Like holy orders. Um, there, that's a, that's such an intensive program and you're going through this day in and day out deciding whether or not you are going to embrace the call to the priesthood going in day in and day out. It's intensive. And so of course you're going to hopefully emerge from that with a clear calling, Um, you know, with marriage prep, um, you know, hopefully the couple has dated (laughs) before. Can you imagine if marriage prep was um, you know, you just get a bunch of single people in the room and say like, hey, we hope over the next two years that you meet your future spouse. You know, like what, that would be insane. That would be silly. And, and so for confirmation prep, it's, it's, it's essentially, and I don't know if this is extreme, but sometimes they're fun to toss around. But you get like 200 kids together and you say like, hey, we're hoping in the next two years that you um, are just emphatically crazy about Christ, about uh, about God uh, and are willing to open up your hearts, you know, uh, to the Ho- Holy Spirit commissioning you into the world to, to go and proclaim the gospel. Um, and, and we're hoping that happens all within the framework of two years of their adolescent life, which is filled with so much mess and so much junk. 
Uh, and we ignore, we ignore the fact that faith is a lifelong process. Uh, you know, you mentioned with, uh, with uh, RCIA, how someone could be going through the process, not just in a year, but it may, might take them five years before they really say yes to entering into the Catholic faith. Yet with confirmation, we're like, you got to say yes within two years or else, you know, you've failed your parents, you failed yourself, you failed the church and, you know, and, uh, and you failed our numbers. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's just a real shame that we do that. And shame on us. Shame on us for uh, perpetuating that. And, and I'm right there. Like, I'm raising my hand. Yeah. Like, that's me. Like, yeah. that's how I ran programs, you know, sacramental prep programs as well. But yeah. it does. It does take that, that shift of attitude. And, and that's hard for us because the reality is we, you know, the, we've always done it this way, right? That's the statement I hate the most. We've always done it this way. But I understand that. We've always done it that way in our short history, right? You know, in terms of my experience in ministry or your experience in ministry. Obviously, that's not how the church has always done that. But that's one of the challenges I think we have is how can we look at church? How can we look at sacraments from a, just a different lens? And, and going back on some of the words that we used before in previous episodes, how do we reimagine Sacramental prep. How do we reimagine parish life? You know, and, and and there is going back to this idea, Chris, of this laziness. Well, we got so many kids, we have to do it in this two-year program because the diocese forces us to do it, or the pastor or whoever forces us to do it. You know, and so we just kind of go through the motion and say, oh, it's the grace of God. You know, God will take care of it, right? You know, uh, that's going to happen. But but we know full well that the sacraments, as we talked about in previous episodes, they don't take care of themselves, right? You know, yes, we hope that people will be open, but the challenge is the reason we have a two-year program is because we know that people are coming into confirmation preparation. These young people are coming into preparation with almost zero formation, right? Because they've been absent since first Eucharist. You know, um, if they, you know, and, and, and they've done nothing since and they're not doing anything at home uh, and they're not doing anything in, in, you know, to continue between Eucharist and confirmation. So, yeah, we have to be really intentional because we feel like we've got to now catch them up to the knowledge that they need to know. Well, OK, so I believe that they need to know knowledge of seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, whatever, all these things that we want to, quote unquote, require them to know. But more importantly to me, is their conversion, is their transformation, right? That's what we're going for. We're not going for them memorizing, you know, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're not going for them clicking, I've done the service hours, I've attended everything, I've, I've attended the retreat, right? Check, 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 check. Now I can get the, the sacrament. Well, are you transformed? Has this experience changed your life? Do you know Christ? Are you to your point, Chris, committed now, right, to, to this lifelong journey of faith. Uh, and that's not something that 40 hours of service, of retreat, and, and, and attending all the sessions is going to tell you necessarily. Right. But because it's so much easier to measure those things, that's what we spend our time and energy on as opposed to how do we, how do we transform ourselves? How do we convert, the, uh, have, in, in, embrace a conversion experience for the young people that we're working with. And I think that's the challenge that we have. Well, and, and so, so if you were, if we were to go back to the original question, which is would the restored order fix confirmation problem? I think if you, if your parish is doing the restored order, if your diocese switches to the restored order, 
what that challenges us to do is fo focus more on adult formation, adult faith formation, especially with parents, right? So if you're going back to the restored order, you're going to have to look at how you do baptismal prep, how you do marriage prep, um, and, uh, and then even how you do uh, children's ministry through a family lens, because uh, that's who your, um, that's where the catechesis is important um, for them to pass that on to their kids. Because, you know, you and I know this because we have kids around this age, when you have a seven or an eight year old, they're listening to mom and dad, you know, they're trusting mom and dad to, to beat that drum and to show them like what's right and what's wrong and, and what they should embrace. And if I don't feel equipped or if my wife doesn't feel equipped to do that, then we're, we're not going to do a great job of that. So um, that means adult um, starting with young adults with, with marriage prep and baptismal prep that needs to be heightened um, and then ongoing adult formation as well. So that we're passing that on to the kids. If we keep it the same, um, or, you know, where confirmation is received in, um, in high school and middle school, we're still going to need to focus on parents, but that's when you also have to change your model to be more adolescent friendly um, in regards to the preparation process. And you're going to have to allow it to be a little bit messier where these kids don't receive it necessarily by seventh grade, by eighth grade, but maybe you create a culture where it's okay that they wait till they're 21 or 22 or 23 along those lines. So um, definitely, uh, yeah, you definitely want to, um, you know, look at who the focus is on uh, when making those switches and making those changes. And, and, and just to be clear, we're not really in the end, we're not recommending restored order or not, right? That's not really our point because everything we're talking about is practical application and, and, and we're not really talking about the theology of restored order all that much. We hinted on that at the beginning, right? That, that really is a whole other conversation. But we wanted to focus on the practical side of this question of restored order and the confirmation problem, because one, we wanted to, to provide actionable items for us to think about as, as leaders in the church. Um, but the reality is, it's, I still think it just goes about how we look at it. What is our attitude towards it? I know I keep repeating myself on that, but I think we need to really change it. What is our culture towards sacramental prep? You know, uh, and I think that's a real central thing. So we're not getting into the theology of restored order. There's plenty of theology to suggest that, yeah, restored order is a way to go. We should go back to that. Um, but there's a precedence to say, no, we should keep it the way it currently is now. I, I don't know if I have a fish in the game, you know, with is that even a term, a fish in the game. I don't know uh, if I have a, a hook in the water, right? I, I don't know, John. I don't know. I've never brought a fish to a game before. <laughs> when I was visiting you in Vegas, I didn't show up to any of the tables and be like, here's my lake trout, you know, what does this get me? So, uh, uh, I think what you're skin trying to in say, the game. Skin in the game. There skin you go. Skin in the game. <laughs> I, I really don't have any skin in the game in terms of the restored order from a theological perspective. My skin in the game is from a practical perspective on how we're creating disciples and i think yeah. i think there are places that could do restored order very well and i think there are places that do the current process very well but this is these are the things i want us to be thinking about is is in terms of what is our attitude towards it how do we fix it and quite honestly if you and i chris as leaders in the church have not had a conversion transformation experience ourselves if we are not disciples ourselves how do we expect that our young people who we are quote unquote leading are going to be that either 
to your right. point about parents, right? right? Parents need parents are more important than you and me, Chris, in terms of leaders in the parish, right? You right. know, and so you're absolutely right, regardless of whether it's restored order or not. And we have seen this shift over over the many years of how do we engage parents uh, more in this. Um, and we have episodes on that, that if we go to the show notes, uh, you know, we'll all have links to, we did a whole series on how do we engage parents. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, Chris, um, I'll, I'll link to those particular episodes there in the show notes. If you just go to the churchpodcast.org episode 90, take a look at that. Um, I'll have links to some of those episodes, but parents is the focus. And as a matter of fact, some of our church documents have said adult formation should be the priority of what we do in our parishes. Uh, our hearts were burning within us. That that document from 1999, I think this is the date, says that very clearly. Um, but when you look at how much energy we're spending on adults, it's minuscule compared to how much we spend on children and youth. That's not to say we don't spend energy on children and youth, but that needs to be in its proper placement. Adults, you transform the adults of the parish first, you're going to have a much easier job of fixing the quote unquote confirmation problem because yeah. the young people will be transformed because they're seeing it modeled every week and every day at home and in their parishes. Well, and that's the, that's kind of the pendulum swing that we're in right now. Right. Is, and I'm saying this as a, as a full-time youth minister where we really need to focus on parents and adults in our parish, because if they can't uh, witness, if they can't catechize, um, even if it's not their own kids, if they can't be a, a true example and model of what it means to follow Christ, then, you know, we're, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, and uh, teens are looking for role models. Uh, kids are looking for uh, people that have led the way. And if there's one practical step that you can take from this conversation is start filling your confirmation programs, your sacramental prep programs with people who are enthusiastic about their faith, not knowledge, not necessarily knowledgeable, um, although you don't want them blaspheming, uh, but people who are like excited about their faith and don't see it as a burden, but see it as a gift that God has given them. So that, re- that just reminds me of a, 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 um, a friend, a adult friend that I have who is exactly that he is like on fire. He is like, like a child when it comes to the faith. And, and he admits time and time again, it's like, Oh, I don't know enough to, 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 to be able to teach and, and work with these kids. And, and our youth ministry leader at the time was very clear with them. And, and he did a good job of saying, it's not about that. You, you love these kids and you're on fire for Christ. And that shows, and it does. And he is one of these people that young people are attracted to because he's so passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's a kid, at, he's a kid at heart when it comes to his relationship with Christ. It is, right. it's very fun to watch and it's inspiring and, and quite honestly transforms not only the kids, but the adults around mm-hmm. him as well. Awesome. Awesome. So John, uh, you and I, of course, could speak on this for hours. Um, but, uh, uh, and we've, we've talked about the sacraments before and we've talked about, you know, evangelizing and, and catechizing parents and, and, uh, we'll have, uh, those episodes in our show notes, or you can search the churchpodcast.org for uh, past episodes as well. Um, if you haven't subscribed to iTunes, we strongly recommend that just go to, um, search the church podcast uh, or you can go to our website, the churchpodcast.org and subscribe through iTunes. And if you are a subscriber on iTunes, please, please, please leave a review. Even if it's bad, um, that's okay. I mean, we would prefer you to say this is awesome, uh, but leave your comments, what you like about us. And, and 
most importantly, share this. Share this conversation with your coworkers, with your volunteers, uh, just you know, uh, with with whoever you know needs to hear th this message. And if you want to reach out to us, uh, go ahead through the churchpodcast.org. Uh, you can reach us there or questions at the church podcast um, uh, for our email address. John, if people want to reach out to you personally, what's a great way of doing that? Yeah, best way is uh, social media. You can look for John Ronaldo. Uh, pretty easy to find up there. And then check us out at parishsuccessgroup.com. That's where all my information is. People can reach out to me there via email uh, or phone or whatnot. So check that out. And you can find me on social media at Marathon Youth Ministry, or if you go to marathonyouthministry.com, that's another way to connect and learn a little bit more about uh, what I think about confirmation. And uh, John, great conversation. Let's close this out in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to thank you so much for your grace, uh, your uh, gift of love, your gifts of um, uh, Lord, wisdom and patience and understanding and everything that uh, allows us to get to know you and get to know one another a little bit further, Lord. And I pray that as we uh, get ready uh, for the fall, as we get ready for um planning our programs for confirmation or first Eucharist or RCIA Lord, uh, that you remind us that our faith, uh, our faith in you um, can lead to so many great opportunities, that it's not something that can be relegated to a classroom, that it's not something that can uh, just be uh, limited to a subject Lord, that it's a way of life. God, thank you so much for loving us. Uh, continue to guide us in your name we pray.